Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Good morning, good morning. Cool worship, hey? If you've been around for a while, you know we've doing, been doing major on the minors. And if you haven't been around for a while, it's still fine, because it's, each preach in itself stands in itself. So we've done, what have we done? Zephaniah and Habakkuk. And today we're going to start looking at Daniel, the book of Daniel. Daniel was written in the 6th century BC, in the time of the kings of Babylon and of Persia. Now if you know your history, there, there was the empire of Babylon taken over by the empire of Persia, Greece, Rome, and so it goes on. Many scholars say it is impossible that Daniel was written in the 6th century BC because it has incredible detail of the Greek and the Roman dynasties. They say it's impossible. You can't prophesy that far ahead. We know our God. We know our God. Daniel in 605 BC, a teenager, young man, was taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar and taken to the city of Babylon, where he lived out his life for the next 60-odd years. That's where Daniel stayed. Not particularly nice, but that's where he was for God's purposes. Now, his name, if you say it in the Hebrew way, it would be Doniel. 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 Doniel means God is my judge. Judge. Uh-uh. We don't like that word. Judge. No, 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 no. Oh, God's a loving God. He doesn't judge. And yet, when Daniel lived, part of the judgment of God on Israel was that he took them. He destroyed, Babylon was, sorry, Jerusalem was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, and the people were taken to Babylon. Why? Because of God's judgment. Why? Because they weren't walking in his ways. Okay, okay, ladies, that's fine. So don't you see judgments in the Old Testament? It's not in the New Testament. We're in a new covenant. It is. I loved, I was in it, uh, Facebook this week. Francis Chan says, if you think a loving God wouldn't judge, have you read your Bible? <laughs> a leader in the church in South America was asked, why, why have you grown? They have 300,000 people, this particular branch of churches, 300,000 people have gathered over 16 years. And a North American guy asked the South American guy, why have you grown? How, what is the secret? Expecting, oh, it's home groups, you know, great preaching. He says, yeah, we preach on the judgment seat of Christ. What is the judgment seat of Christ? I'm going to give you quite a few scriptures this morning. Yes, yes, yes. Please write them down. Go back and read them for yourself. First one today is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through to 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 to 15. They're going to be on the screen, but please, you've got phones, write them in. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Our salvation is on one foundation only, Jesus Christ. Now, born again, Bible believing, if anyone, talking to Christians, builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. 
because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Which tells me that some of our work's not going to survive. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Yes, in heaven, we will suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. How should we live? I want to say a very, 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 very important thing right now. Don't forget these two statements. Nothing, say nothing. Nothing can change the way God loves you and me right now. Nothing. Do you hear that? Nothing can change the way God loves me or you or anyone on this planet who has and who will be. Nothing can change the way he loves us. But we can change. We have control of how pleased he is with us. It's easily seen in parents. As parents, we continue to love our children. But there's stuff that they do that does not bring us joy. And there's stuff that we do as Christians that does not please the Father. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. So whether we are at home or away, he's talking about being alive or being in heaven. We make it our aim to please him. We make it our aim to please him. And as I, when I, many things, thoughts have gone through my head, and I hope I get many of them out. But I was thinking, Lord, why do I have to please you? Maybe that's an but, but we need to ask ourselves questions like that. Is it just because you tell me? Because my work's going to get burned up? We sang this morning, this God, this God, became a man. Think of Superman, just as a very, very simple thing. Superman, I forget what happens, but when he comes into contact with certain something, remember he wakes up and he can't do anything, he tries to fly and he can't fly, remember that? I don't know what God felt like when he was in Mary's womb. I was thinking about that this morning. Did he actually think, oh my, I'm constricted? But he was God. And he came into bodies, the life of a man. He, he took on a man's body. He was restricted. He died on a cross. Why? Because he loves me. He paid an incredible price. If nothing else, surely out of love for him, I want to please him. I want to please him. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him, for we must all appear. We must all appear. Christians, this is not unbelievers, this is Christians. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, the body, whether good or evil. We're not going to be judged for our sin. What is the wages of sin? Death. So we're not going to die. We are going to live forevermore with Jesus. But he is going to look at what we have done with what he has given us. And you know what's so scary? You can go and look it up in Scripture. It's not only what you do. 
It's your thoughts. It's your attitudes. Uh, yeah, what are you thinking right now even? Laney, shush. <laughs> John, the beloved disciple, you know the one Jesus loved, says in the last days of his life, now John loved God. God, Jesus loved him. So there was no, there's no question of love. Remember that thing? Nothing can stop God loving you more than he loves you right now. Nothing. No awful thought, Nothing. John says in 2 John 1 verse 8, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. That means I might not get a full reward. I might get no reward or anything in between. Just in words of judge, we don't like that word judge. As soon as we hear judge, you know, because it's condemnation, isn't it? That's how we see judging. But if you look at the Greek, the word judge used through the New Testament is a decision. So Jesus, in perfect love, perfect justice, perfect Jesus, is going to be seated on that judgment seat. And I'm going to come up to him. And with eyes of love, he's going to say, okay, Lainey, let's have a look at what you've done with what I've given you. Let's look at your thoughts. Let's look at your attitudes. And lovingly, he's going to award me or not my reward. It's going to pass through his fire. It's in the Bible. I like to think about it, hey? So what is my work? What is my race? What's my calling? Essentially, I'm called to advance God's kingdom. When we look at the whole time of Daniel, God was advancing his kingdom. The the Babylonians undertook, through God, they took the, they paid, that they did God's judgment on Jerusalem, on the Israelites, and they were taken out of their land. They destroyed the temple, which the Jews thought could never happen. With the Babylonians, God brought about that judgment. With the Persians, God brought the people back to Israel and they rebuilt the temple. With the Greeks, they brought culture, they brought language, a universal language throughout the whole known world. With the Romans, they built built roads, they brought the crucifixion. And Jesus came in the fullness of time. Over those centuries, God working out his kingdom. He hasn't stopped. He is working out his kingdom. And it will happen exactly the way it says it's going to happen in the Bible. But today and tomorrow, you and I have a role to play to advance that kingdom. What you and I do, what Daniel did affected the kingdom. Do you know that Nebuchadnezzar got saved? We're going to see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. Go and read Daniel. He got saved because of Daniel's witness in his life. It took a while and several things happening, but he got saved because Daniel made decisions along the way. What decisions are we making? Are we living 
for this 80 years or 90 years or whatever it is God's going to give us? Or are we living for eternity? How are we living day by day by day? We exercise free will. We can choose to do or not to do. God's purposes will prevail. God will still love us. But one day, I will stand before him, and he's going to open the books. Say, okay, Lenny, let's look at your life. What reward will I receive? Do you want a full reward? Do you want to please God? We've got to ask ourselves that. So let's look at Daniel, because I've just taken four scenarios. How did Daniel work out his calling? How did Daniel do what God called him to do? So the first one is resolve. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Nebuchadnezzar in 605 took a whole lot of people into Babylon. He wanted to raise them up in the ways of, of the culture of Babylon. He wanted to give them new names. He wanted them to learn Babylonian knowledge, etc., etc. There were lots of them. But in Daniel, we read about four. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And only those four teenage boys chose not to eat of the king's table. Now, come on, the king's table would have been lacquer. You go to any rich person's house with respect, they, boy, do they put on a spread. It's not just a little bit of chicken. It's chicken and beef and and, and that sauce and that and caviar and you name crayfish and oh. Hey, it's lacquer. This table was before them. It's lacquer. But there was one way that Daniel and those three boys could stand for who they were. They were good Jewish boys who loved the Lord, who kept to his ways the best that they could. So they said, no, test us. And we know the story. They came out healthier than the rest. What are you and I saying no to? today. Good stuff. And I, as I thought about, there are so many things, and I don't know, ask yourself, what do you need to say no to? Internet and all the wonderful social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, our cell phones. Young people, our cell phones, like an attachment to your hand. It's not wrong. But is it distracting me from my calling in God? Is it causing me to make decisions that are not going to work out God's purposes? Why do I need to work out God's purposes? Because people will get saved. We sang it this morning. People will see something different and they will get saved. But we just go along with the crowd. What about taking that promotion? It's a good thing. But by taking that promotion, I've got to compromise. Perhaps. Don't do it. 
Do you hear what God is saying? There is good things. That relationship with that person, they're a beautiful person. They're a good person. They make me feel, they make everything, but they don't believe in Jesus. Is that going to work out my calling? The friends that I keep, that I socialize with, should we be with non-believers? Absolutely, but if I'm getting my, you know how you have friends who just like build you up? Are they people who are building me up to my calling that will cause me to achieve my full reward? I don't know. What in your life, what in my life am I saying yes to? Not a bad thing, but I should be saying no to. The second one, give God the glory and the honor. Chapter two tells us how Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And he, does, he wants an interpretation of the dream. It really troubles him. The amazing thing is he says to all his wise men, of whom Daniel is one, tell me, tell me what my dream means. So, of course, they all said, well, what is your dream? No, 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 no. I don't trust you guys. Tell me what the dream is and then give me the interpretation. You're nuts. Nobody can do that. So, so he decided, okay, I'm going to kill you all because you're all useless. Somebody goes and tells Daniel, we're all going to die tomorrow because he's part of the wise men. He wasn't in the meeting. And he says, why is he going to kill us? No, because nobody can tell Nebuchadnezzar his dream. What does Daniel do? Oh, yeah, well, I've got the gift. I'm the man for the hour. Just call me in. <laughs> no. What does Daniel do? He fasts. He calls the guys. He says, pray. We need God. And God shows him. Nebuchadnezzar's dream and the interpretation. His immediate response, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you give us everything we need. And he goes to Nebuchadnezzar and he tells him the dream and he tells him interpretation. And he says to Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar says, oh, wow, you, 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 you're so fantastic. Of course, don't you see? I'm so clever. Huh. No, he gives God the glory. I can do nothing without man. What are we taking glory for? What are we taking glory for? If I'm standing up here because they go, oh, you know what? You're so lucky today. You've got Lainey. She's such a good preacher. Horrible. And if that creeps in and it's so easy to creep in, huh, I'm pretty good, hey? No, why am I here? Because I believe with all my heart I want and God help me when I don't. It's all about bringing his message to you. I am but a vessel. How he has taken me through my life has enabled me to be confident to speak before people. He's given me a brain, all those things. It's not about me. It's about me being a willing vessel. Just by the way, next time, 100 rand when, we, when I preach. Okay. <laughs> Who gets the glory? And it's so easy to get puffed up. Are we giving God the glory and the honor that is due his name? Are we acknowledging the giver of gifts? I look at Jermaine here. Jermaine loves to be up here because we can see how cool he is on the guitar. We can see how good looking he is. Where is he? <laughs> Where are you, Jermaine? <laughs> Yo. He's so good, eh? That's why he does worship, because he wants to be seen. He wants us all to go, whoa, Jermaine, Jermaine. No, he does it because he loves Jesus. 
and because he wants to lead, help us to go into worship for Jesus. And you know what, guys? We've got to watch out, he and I and all of us, we've got to watch our lives. Because if Jermaine stands up here, leading us into the presence of Jesus, and he's got hidden sin, he brings judgment on himself, and he affects all of us. Same with me. I had to make a decision on Friday. It was something I didn't want to do. I really didn't want to do. I was right. And God said, mm-hmm, you're preaching on Sunday. You know what you're preaching. <laughs> Humble yourself and say sorry. An expectation to learn. You heard that expression, going around this mountain again? It's around your ha-ha, laugh, laugh, you're going around the mountain again. We heard today God smashes those mountains. But chapter 5, 60 years later, those two instances I spoke to, he was a teenager. Who's a teenager? Who's under 30 here? Who's under 30 here? Come on, there's more of you. Your hands are wishful. <laughs> Stefan's a wishful. Okay, the real under 30s. Decisions, you, you could be thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, this is for you oldies. I'm going to do things like that when I'm older. I'm going to have a bit of fun now. Ooh, dangerous. Decisions we make now will affect us for the rest of our lives. Now, Daniel, so now all the oldies, all the over 30s. <laughs> Daniel's now in his 60s. He's still faithful to God. So it's not like, ah, I've done it now. I'm just going to park off for a while. There's no retirement in the Bible. We live for Jesus from the minute we are born again until we die. But in chapter 5, I want to read this. So what's happening? Let me just, so we're now on Belshazzar, who's the last king of the Babylonians. His grandfather is Nebuchadnezzar. And he has not lived well. He has not learned from the example of his grandfather who got saved, who came to know the God of the universe. He lives a life and he's now having a lacquer party. And because he's probably done everything, you know, we've, we've drunk the wine, we've, we've tasted all the drugs, we've done all the sex, what more is there? Ah, there's those very special goblets that come from the Jewish God, those silver and gold goblets. Let's bring them to our party. There's a bit of spice. Verse 22, and you, his son, Belshazzar. This is, God, this is Daniel speaking what God is saying to Belshazzar. What happens? They're drinking. They drink from the goblets. They know it's wrong. They know it's sacrilegious. And a hand. Can you imagine how scary? I know often we want writing on the wall. But it says the fingers of a hand wrote on the wall. That's pretty spooky. It says Belshazzar went pale. He knew. He knew. I've stepped too far. I've gone too far. Daniel says to him, message from God, you, his son, talking about um, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this. You have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven, and the vessels of his house have been brought in before you, and you and your lords, your wives, your concubines, have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know, but the God in whose hand is your breath and whose are all your ways you have not honored. He died that night. The words on the wall were, on the wall were mene, mene, 
Tikal Perez. And that mene means you've been weighed up and you've found to be lacking. Belshazzar did not learn from the experience of his grandfather. Belshazzar did not learn when he took those cups and had the chance, do, I, do we use these or we don't? And his judgment came. 17 days later, the whole of Babylon was taken over the Persians and the Babylonian empire came to an end. God judged what they were doing. Do we learn as we go along? We're supposed to learn. I look at myself back. I have the advantage of age now. I look at myself as a 30-year-old, as a 20-year-old. I do remember. And I say this with great respect, but I look at how I treated some of the older people in the church. <laughs> they have no idea. Things are different now. I know what I'm doing. I regret my attitude. No one ever said this to me, and I say this humbly before you. Word tells us to honor our elders to learn from them. No one ever said that to me, so I say that with deep respect to those of you younger than me. Let's learn from each other. God expects us to learn, not to go around the same mountain. I didn't look at time, am I okay? One more. One more. Especially in the light of Lum, do not keep quiet. Do not keep quiet. Daniel 6, verse 10. Now, uh, Darius is, is, the, is the king of the Persia. And because the guys are jealous of Daniel, remember he's in his 70s, an old man, um, he gets honor. And the other wise men are jealous. But they know one thing that Daniel does, Daniel. He worships God. And he openly prays several times a day. Nothing religious in that. Just he knows the value of prayer. So they get Darius to make a decision that if anyone prays to anyone but Darius, they get put into the den of lions. Remember that story? This verse, 6 verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had, upper, where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Daniel, it was only 30 days. Just close the door for 30 days and then you'll be safe. But he refused to be quiet. A couple of weeks ago, I asked a, a person, do they know you're a Christian at work? And that person says, yeah, I think so. Are we being quiet in our schools, in our places of work, with our clients, with our friends, wherever we are? Because it's not cool to be a Christian. If you looked on Facebook yesterday, if you've only got Christian friends, you wouldn't have seen it. But the non-Christians were being so vile about yesterday. 
We didn't see it. It was ugly. Absolutely ugly. But we make a sense. Somebody, wrote on, somebody else wrote on Facebook yesterday, I am praying for South Africa. I will continue to pray for South Africa. I know we need his solution. Are we being quiet? It's so easy to, oh, I just won't mention it. Because, A, people need to know about Jesus. And because one day, and I can go back in my life, Lainey, remember when you went to that movie, I know the incident, and somebody asked you, a young man asked you, what is it that makes you so full of joy? And I fudged it. Because I knew, if I said it was Jesus, he probably wouldn't like me anymore. What are we writing in the books of our lives? And we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we are going to receive a full reward or a partial reward or no reward. We will be with Jesus. I'm going to say it again. Nothing. What do you say? Nothing can make God love me any less than he loves me now. But church of God, do we want to please him? Is it in our heads every day? How can I please? God, good morning. How are you today? How can I please you today? What have you for me to do today for you that your kingdom might be advanced, that people can get saved, that people can be healed? Are we thinking like that? James says, our, our, in these other verses, it says our life is like a wisp. So in this wisp of life, we make two major decisions, or there are two major. One is to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. The most important decision you will ever make, it will determine where you spend eternity. This life, this short life, where, and I ask every single one of you here today, where are you spending eternity? Never mind these years here. Eternity is forever. And the decision I make in this life will determine forever where I spend eternity. Am I being fundamental? Yes, I am, because it is so important. And if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please, I beg of you. Your destiny, your freedom, your living a real, true, wonderful, good life starts there. I think of Hitler. I was thinking of Hitler this morning when I was thinking. Hitler, you know how many millions he could have brought to Christ? He was given the gift of oration. He had the gift of gathering people. But decisions he made caused the destruction of millions. He's given, I believe, everybody a gift. I look at some of the singers who draw crowds because of the incredible talent. They should be drawing crowds to sing gospel and be praised and come to know Jesus. What are we using our gifts for? It's the second question. One, where will you spend eternity? The second, this little wisp of life, these brief years, will determine how you spend eternity with a full reward 
or not. And you know the most incredible thing? It's not about me. I don't have to wake up tomorrow morning and say, okay, I've got to try harder. Jesus is more passionate about you and me getting our full reward than I am way beyond. He wants us to have a full reward. He has given his Holy Spirit who can say, just listen. Uh-uh, Lenny, shh, don't say that. Don't go there. To the right, not the left. He is passionate about us fulfilling our calling. Because when we fulfill our calling, his kingdom is advanced. People get saved and he can come again. He is coming. He is coming. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We sang this morning, well, he's led us, sweet fire. One day my works are going to be tested by fire. But I have a choice today to allow the sweet fire of the Holy Spirit to sort me out. How awesome is that? Daily, moment by moment, sweet fire of Jesus. Show me, cleanse me. He loves us. He loves us. What are you doing? What am I doing with the life he's given me?